All right, fellow fact checkers, we've got a brand new sponsor, and I am excited to promote this product. It's Fox and Sons Coffee. Now, Fox and Sons Coffee is a family-owned and operated small business selling whole bean, organically roasted, amazingly good coffee. On their website, Steve, the company's founder, describes how his love of coffee started with special Saturdays with his dad when he was growing up. Steve wants to share his love of coffee with you and the entrepreneurial spirit with his sons. Check out the website, foxnsons.com. And take a look at their best offer. A monthly subscription for three bags of coffee with free shipping for $38.89. Also, Steve's been on the show. He's a friend of the show. He follows us on the morning after as well as here on Fact Check This Podcast. Steve is a great dude. Great company to support. So go check out Fox and Sons Coffee. And get your morning started off right with a bag of delicious Fox and Sons Coffee. Let's start the show. podcast and last time i tried to have dag on we were going to talk about white supremacy at farmers markets and his internet crapped out on him because uh apparently the white supremacists in his area did not want him outing them so we're <laughs> trying again and this time we're going to talk about fake meat now, everybody knows about uh impossible meats or maybe you don't maybe you're one of the lucky people that's never heard of any of the that's never heard of any of these things. You don't know what impossible meat or beyond meat or any of the other ones are. And uh, you've, you've managed to avoid that kind of shit. But we're going to talk about fake meat because the, the fake meat industry hit really hard and hit the ground running there for a bit uh, during the pandemic and seems to have fizzled out, thankfully. So, Dad, go ahead and uh, tell everybody where they can find you other than on the morning after. And then uh, and then we'll just kind of dive right into what's been going on with these fake meat companies. And and we'll also get into some of the agricultural side of stuff and just the uh, the general benefits of not fake meat. Sure. Sure, man. Um, yeah. Thanks for having me. I'm a I'm Daggerous. Obviously, the morning show with you. I also am one of the co-hosts of the Agoras Nexus podcast. I do some stuff over there um general guest on other podcasts for stuff homesteading related and i also own and operate agorist acres seeds agoristacres.com check us out we'll get a promo code for y'all we got one for the morning show we use squaw over there i could use a different one for you if you like but um <laughs> but anyhow go ahead and type in squaw or whatever else we come up with and uh get 10 percent off etc cetera, etc cetera, and help out the show so um, yeah, I guess, uh, I guess that's about it. My real life, I small farmer and, you know, other general 16 side hustle kind of guy. So and that's the way to be. Yeah. Especially the, uh, the small farming part of it. Everybody should be working on their own small farm. Uh, you, you do, so you do meat birds mm -hmm. and do you, do you do goats as well? Or is that Clyde? No, that's uh well, we have some goats, uh, all of which we've gotten from Clyde. So, uh, you know, <laughs> some continuity there, but, um, but yeah, we have a few, we're hopefully going to be breeding them soon. Uh, we're trying to make that happen. I, I don't know, I guess I got to go feel the goats bellies and see if I can figure out what's going on. But, uh, but yeah, hopefully that'll be happening soon and we'll be getting into goats. But yeah, anyhow, commercially, uh, or semi-commercially we do poultry. We do the, uh, the pasture raised broiler chickens. We're trying to build up a, a way to make that our prime, you know, source of income. But, uh, you know, it's a long process. It's fun. If nothing else, we have all of our own chicken. A lot of times we're able to trade it for beef and pork and things like that from other other local farmers. You might have a little more area, might be able to do more more things beef related, which I'd, I'd like to get a better, more consistent beef source. But it's it's tough because it's one of the. It's considered meat by the USDA, so it, it's much more stringent. Um, 
regulations as far as selling it and chicken, which for some reason isn't considered meat by the USDA. So we get to follow a little bit looser laws so I can raise and sell chicken legally, but with a $110 uh, bribe or fee or whatever you want to call it, you know, to the, uh, <laughs> to the state every year. So it works out. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. I, we have, we have goats and uh, for the time being, they're not meat goats, but eventually that's what, that's what they're going to become either. <laughs> I keep telling my wife, either the little one gets sold or he gets eaten because I'm not feeding three goats forever. Like, and we're going to have, she'll have another baby probably February or March, at which point he's going to be the odd man out. So uh, <laughs> like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be hard. <laughs> yeah. I'm not keeping pet goats. Like we're, they're, they're going to serve a purpose. The, the chickens, the chickens lay eggs. And when the chickens stop laying eggs, then the chickens become food. Like I'm not, you you either contribute or you or you will be contributed. Uh, I'd so like to do like. Go ahead. So you you've been doing farming stuff for um for your whole life basically at least on some level. Have you done? Have you processed like goats that you've like birthed and raised yourself before? No, uh, I personally haven't. I've mm -hmm. um, when I was a kid, we had a an old black guy that worked on the farm for us, and he kept goats, and I watched him do it. Uh, we did we did hogs, and I have done a couple hogs, uh, but no, I haven't personally done the goats. I I suspect it's similar to dressing out a deer and 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 everything. I mean, they're pretty yeah structurally they're, they're, they're all the same. Yeah, they're all pretty much the same. Just the reason I'm asking is because like I'm a I'm a little nervous about you know because goats are adorable and you know they're with you for a while, and I'm really. The first boy goat we have, I might have to sell it because I just I might have to get a couple in before I can, you know, shoot one in the face. Uh, it might be a, and then enjoy eating it. You know, we're, we're over it with the chickens. I can do it with the chickens, uh, especially the meat birds. But a lot of times I'll opt like our old laying hens. I'll opt to sell them instead of process them. Uh, just I know what's going to happen to them. They go to the migrant workers. I know they end up in a pot somewhere, but I don't have to do it. I can, you know, I'd rather just take the ten dollars and. <laughs> you know, send them on their way. So I'm a little bit of a softy with that. So I was, I was curious if you were man enough to kill a goat that you raised with your own two hands. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit of a, I have a touch of a sociopath in me, so it's not going to be much of an issue. <laughs> and yes, Trey, goat meat is incredibly tasty. Uh, the, the old guy that worked for us, what they would do is they would kill one every year for like the Fourth of July, and they, they dig like a big ass pit, basically. And put this thing on a spit and keep like this low, low fire going with the, they'd have, basically it would just be like a wood fire. They'd get different types of wood um, and keep this like low fire and just slow cook that thing in the ground for a couple of days. Oh my God. Yes. Goat meat is amazing. Especially if you know how to cook it right. Uh, which I guess that's kind of every, all meat. Like my mm -hmm. parents don't like brisket because dad thinks you have to flash fry everything. And like you can't do that with a brisket, you know. You have to put in the time and slow cook it and all that. So yeah, it's a ten hour at least. <laughs> yeah, I, usually mine. I usually go like fourteen or fifteen with mine. I try to go twelve hours of like slow, low heat, and then then wrap it in uh, wrap it in foil and get a, a low fire going and and cook it over the fire for another two to three and get the like get the burn ins. And get a get a little bit of a crispiness to the outside while it still has that nice juiciness on the on the inside. <laughs> now I'm getting hungry. Hell yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Now I want barbecue. <laughs> oh well. So let's dive into. Uh, we're talking about all these delicious real meats. Let's dive into uh, what's going on with the fake meat companies. Uh, which should we start with? Want to start with Impossible or with Beyond Meat? Because I. Let's start with Beyond Meat because Impossible Meat is a little more uh, Beyond Meat's just like the company's is kind of failing, but Impossible Meat is a little more fucked up. So let's start with Beyond Meat and then we'll move into Impossible Meat and what they've got going on. Uh, yeah. You would think this article, which was incredibly uh, hilarious, the Beyond Meat suspends executive after he was arrested on suspicion of biting a man's nose. That's always fun. <laughs> I was hoping for a video, but I don't know if one exists. Uh, I guess, yeah, this was at a football game or something, and I'm going to assume he was inebriated. That's just an assumption. 
just alleging just because that seems to be the way things go and got in a fight with somebody over what I think was a fender bender, uh, punched out their back windshield, <laughs> bit their nose off. <laughs> uh, this guy was like a Tyson executive for a long time, too, or something to that effect. So he's been in the, the meat game for a while. Uh, recently, I guess, went to fake meat. Maybe he's not happy with his life choices. Maybe all this lines up. <laughs> like maybe it's not going so well. <laughs> well, and, uh, it is definitely not going so well because the other article that we've got uh, talking about Beyond Meat, uh, fake meat fail. Beyond Meat reels a, sl- a sales slow and stock plummets, with an analyst saying it's burning through cash and may go bankrupt as partnerships with McDonald's and Taco Bell don't pan out. So. I don't know, maybe everybody remembers uh, not too terribly long ago. I mean, within the last year, Beyond Meat had some big deals that had come out with uh, with McDonald's and the like the fake chicken nuggets. I shouldn't say fake, but that's what it was. I mean, it was the it was the uh, Beyond Meat chicken nuggets. They also had a deal with Taco Bell for I can't remember if it was a fake if it was a replacement for beef or a replacement for chicken, but they had a, a Taco Bell deal and they also had a big KFC deal. Like there was, there was all kinds of stuff that went around. Like there were big time commercials that came out about this, like beyond meat, uh, not chicken, chicken nuggets from, from KFC. And uh, that has all kind of fallen apart. These, all of these big deals that they had with these fast food chains have, yeah, it was, Fake beef for the tacos with uh, with Taco Bell. All of these big deals that they had have not panned out. Like people, just generally speaking, don't want this shit. I, have you tried any of this stuff? I w- long time ago, like when I was, let's say, like preteen, I probably had a couple of what were called Boca burgers, which was some sort of not real meat thing. Uh, my uh, my mom slipped one in on us one time for dinner and was asking a lot of questions about how dinner tasted. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, and finally she's like, oh, I made it with this instead. And you hardly noticed. And I'm like, well, I mean, something tasted different. But I, mean, I didn't just instantly go, this isn't me. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, but um, but so I've had a couple of those, I guess. Uh, and they weren't the most god awful thing in the world. I have no idea what they were actually made out of. I think we just called them veggie burgers back then. Uh, but uh, but no, none of these new ones they've had. And, you know, it's funny. We talk about like the fake taco meat and the fake chicken nugget meat. And it's like that stuff's barely constitutes meat anyhow. Right. Like in the first place. So it's it's a little bit of a stretch. So it's like, yeah, I've eaten a lot of fake ass food. You know, we all definitely have if you've ever eaten it like fast food or ever eaten a chicken nugget. You know, that that probably is the case. And God only knows what's in those. But um, no, I haven't experimented with any of these. The names are, I can't think of any of them, but I've seen some clever names where you're almost like, you, you know, you can tell that it's not real by the clever name, you know, uh, but I haven't eaten uh, any of any of these. You know, I've seen a little bit of the push, but in my market, at least, I haven't seen like KFC commercials for, you know, fake chicken. I think that this is kind of regional and a lot of it. What, what about what about you? You seem like you're in real meat country. It, when the initial push came out and they were running commercials with the the Beyond Meat nuggets for both McDonald's and KFC, um, mm-hmm. Sam's here in town had a display with the Beyond Meat like nuggets, and they and it's Sam's, so you know they have all the samples and everything that you can try the different stuff, and so they were doing samples of the the Beyond Meat nuggets. So just out of curiosity i tried one one. yeah out of curiosity i tried one i couldn't i couldn't get it down it (laughs) it was it tasted and had the texture of play-doh it was just it was awful um i tried hard i I really did like the kids were making fun of me because they were like how long are you gonna chew it it was only like this big it's like i'm i'm working on it all right i'm gonna (laughs) i'm gonna swallow it eventually i just i've got to I just got to get myself worked up to that point. And I couldn't do it. I, I had to spit it out. It was, I, I don't, like, I don't know. I, I've seen, um, because I worked in different restaurants, uh, Applebee's and, and Buffalo Wild Wings at different points in my life and 
they have like the the black bean burger or like the veggie burger. It's like a mm-hmm. it's a substitute, you know, burger. But it's it doesn't like they're not trying to pretend that it's meat. Like it's a right. you know it's a you know it's a veggie burger, right? Like this is the the problem I have with like Impossible Meats and and Beyond Meat is they're trying to pretend that it's like a meat substitute, but it's not. Like it's it's not at all. It's not good. Uh, that, that is always the question, and like why? Like why? If meat's so bad, but the argument I think would be like, well, you're trying to get over the 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 sickness of eating meat, you know, that having something that resembles it might be, you know, more palatable. Like in the the photo, I don't think it was on this article, but the other one, like it looks like a good burger patty. I mean, I'm not gonna lie, the way it's packaged, I mean, it looks like a burger, you know, before it's cooked anyhow. Um, so like they, some of them do, they come off looking good, but it is almost like they could put this effort into making a better quality food product than into just making it look and bleed like meat, right? Like it, it, it just seems like that's kind of the the wrong way to go. Like you could make a better food. Uh, as to the push too, to, to speak to that, they now to switch back to the other article for you. They, um, I think it's in the other one. They talk about uh, having uh, Kim Kardashian be like a promoter of the uh, of the particular burger in question. Uh, we've seen. Okay, we have a mutual friend who does shopping for a living, right? And you know, we talk about this, you know, you see some of the stuff in people's carts. But some of these things, like I think Instacart, you can go to celebrities and you can shop like what they allegedly shop. Like, so you can shop Lizzo's cart. Uh, and I, I, I shared this uh, before, but it's here's what Lizzo buys. And for the most part, it's crap, you know, I mean, like Skittles and Starburst and whatever. But in that was like Impossible Burgers. And I'm looking at it and I'm like, this just reeks of commercialism and propaganda. Like, I don't know if Lizzo actually eats that, but I guarantee you half this stuff she's getting paid to have in her Instacart. And I don't know this. This is allegedly, but it's, I, I think we can make a safe bet, you know? But, Product placement is a thing. And mm-hmm, if you it, think it, they're exactly. not doing it on your Instacart, you are very naive. Why else would they have buy what the celebrities buy if, if, they, if they weren't pulling that, you know? But when I saw the impossible meat in there, I'm like, no, that's like makes it a hundred percent in my mind that it's product placement crap, you know, that they're 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 pushing it. And then when I saw this article here, um, and they said they had Kim Kardashian promoting it, I'm like, oh well, Jesus, yeah. I mean, who's more, I guess, prominent of a figure in culture than that? Well, and that gives us a, a good segue because you were talking about like, you know, when we look at this, when we look at this article and we look at these these burger patties, like, I mean, if you zoom in on them. If I can figure out how to zoom, oh, there we go. They when you zoom in on it, it's it's not a bad looking patty. I mean, the thing mm-hmm. is, it looks like meat, right? Like it's, uh, it's got the right color. It seems to have the right texture. Uh, like, like that was the big problem for me with the uh, with the nugget was as soon as I bit into the into the the nugget, it's like okay, that's fucking play doh. Like I it, I could I just immediately I can't do this. Um, but like this looks like. It looks like it's legit, but with the uh, with the impossible meat, the crazy thing that we get into with this article, and, and we can spend most of our time talking about this specifically, like the fact that the fact that Beyond Meat is reeling and really struggling. There are some that say it's because there are alternatives and competitors on the market, and but I mean, it just seems like they have the big deals with the big fast food chains and they're still failing that that feels like a, a pretty thorough rejection of of that kind of stuff but with this one the the article and what it gets into is what this stuff is actually made of like the the things that they use to give it that nice real color and to give it that nice real texture and to make it seem like it bleeds uh they're pumping some crazy shit into this and it's proving to be really bad for people uh what let's so let's start to kind of get into some of that and what what were some of the things that stood out to you whenever you were looking at this of uh what they're doing to this product uh that's uh so they're 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 basically using like um like you know gmo soy to make this stuff steam like you know real to make it bleed uh 
give it a give it whatever texture and everything that they're looking for. And what this article really talks about is the testing that they're doing or, you know, rather not doing. Uh, sorry, I'm having a hard time with my notes here. Um, that they're doing or rather uh, not doing on it. <laughs> do we want to talk about the testing um, on the do, do we want to get into that or? Yeah, we may as well, because I, I mean, that's a big part of it, like the the testing that they were doing. So the main. All the people who are going to be pushing this are like the, uh, you know, the big organic people. This is not organic in any way. This is completely, completely GMO, basically. It's uh, yeah. the Impossible Burger is a plant-based burger, and the key ingredient of which is a protein called soy lehemoglobin, which is derived from genetically modified yeast. It's already being sold in restaurants and supermarkets in the U.S. So, like, nothing about this thing is organic or natural in any way, right off, right off the top. Mm-hmm. And that's a that's something that really um, stood out to me because it used to be right. So. My mom feeding me the Boca Burger, right? She's a very organic, you know, like health-minded person. You know, like I don't necessarily agree it's the best thing for your health, but that's what she thought it was. And things that are like organic are very important to her. So, like when you see things like that, you would think that that's the same type of person making this push. But when you look what actually what's actually happening, it's like first off, it seems like the market's rejecting it, so that's kind of cool. Uh, but but it's almost like okay, this is big agriculture, big, you know, Monsanto, whatever, uh, GMO crops. And what do, what do they do? Like, okay, we need to sell more of our stuff. So we need more outlets for it. You know, we can look at any sort of other like industry than like fluoride or cottonseed oil or whatever in the past that now we use and eat just because it's like an industrial waste. Right. Um, but they do the same thing with like corn. Uh, there's a lot of subsidies for it. And I almost wonder if this is just something, Hey, we need something else to do with this soy. You know, we've got all this damn soy. And we need to find another way to make people eat it. So I don't know if that's what's going on. Now, we could get a little more tinfoil hatty and a little more sinister and just say that they're systematically, you know, <laughs> um, fattening us up and making us weak. But well, let's get into that, I, because uh, that know. is one of the things that came out of the, the animal testing on this was uh, a rat feeding study uh, suggests that the. OK, so. The uh, soy. Like hemoglobin is a substance that gives the burger its meaty taste and makes it appear to bleed like meat. Um, the USDA, the yeah, the US FDA initially had refused to sign off on the safety of it um, because they didn't really know anything about it. Like there was nothing that this was kind of a new thing. So then they did a rat feeding study and the rats fed the that were fed this genetically modified reef. Yeast derived uh, soy, like hemoglobin, developed unexplained changes in weight gain, changes in the blood that, that they can indicate the onset of inflammation or kidney disease and possible signs of anemia. Uh, yeah, and <laughs> something that like a lot of people don't realize, too, and I know your fan base is much more educated than typical folks, but like. When we hear like the FDA, like this isn't the FDA that does these studies. The, you know, this, this company is like, hey, we want to sell this product and we want your blessing, basically, right? And the FDA says, okay, well, we'd like to see this kind of study. And the FDA doesn't do that study. The company does their study and then they present it to the FDA. And so I guess like the, at least what this article is saying is typically you would do like a three month or something study or maybe even longer to simulate years worth of time in a human, you would do like several months on a, on a rat and then at best i think they came out with like a 28 day study and submitted it to the fda and the fda never gave it their um their actual like approval or whatever they left it with what they call it a no questions or or, or something and i don't want to give like obviously i'm not saying that fda approval is the end all be all like i'm not a fan of the fda so it's kind of weird being in these kind of like discussions sometimes but the I think the big takeaway for a lot of people should just be that the FDA doesn't operate the way most people think it does. You know, that it's like this organization that benevolent and looks out for all of us. You know, it's it, it's definitely not. They're not the one. You know, they just rubber stamp other people's studies. It could be total nonsense. Uh, just this morning before we started this on the news, they had a uh, they were talking about how the FDA is going to like rescind its uh, balanced breakfast or whatever stuff for like breakfast cereals. <laughs> For years, we've all heard part of a balanced breakfast and it's good for you and it's healthy. And 
the FDA is about to say like, eh, actually it's not, it's full of sugar and grain and that's it. And turns out, you know, the whole food pyramid thing we taught you for years was total nonsense. So <laughs> I don't really like to take their word for it in all this, but the fact that the FDA isn't even willing to say, yeah, this stuff's cool with all the other nonsense that they pass, you know, it doesn't really bode well. That's, that's the crazy thing about this stuff is like there, and, and there are things that people are like, well, it's got FDA approval. It's like, no, the FDA just didn't say you couldn't do it. Like they didn't actually mm. approve it. They just, they just said, look, it's on. And that's what, th that's what this is. Like they just, the FDA basically just said like, it's on you. If you do this, like you, you're the one who's responsible for it. Not us. We, we wash our hands of you and, and everything to do with this. So they've been trying for years to get this to go through. Uh, this, the first one, it talks about the uh, study that they did and put forth in 2015. And the, the FDA said, uh, although the protein, although proteins are a part of the human food supply, not all proteins are safe. Information, information addressing the safe use of modified soy protein does not adequately address safe use of uh, soybean lehemoglobin protein uh, from the roots of the soybean plant in food. The FDA believes that the arguments presented individually and collectively do not establish the safety of SLH for consumption, nor do they point to a general general recognition of safety. So they come back again and they try again in 2017. And this is where they were starting to really get the, uh, the adverse effects to the rats. Th these are. All right. So we know soy has been getting added into our diets like since we were kids. Uh, you, I don't know. I don't know about you know down there in Florida, but everybody always made fun of like uh, the hamburgers at school were were soy burgers. Like I know that they, I know that they weren't. I I cooked burgers for junior high football games. And, like we had we had all beef patties at the school, but everybody made fun of them. And, you know, everybody said that we were getting soy bur soybean burgers at, at school when we were kids. Uh, but like we we know that soy has been getting pushed more heavily into our diets, whether you are consciously aware of it or not. So some of these adverse effects that are coming from from this stuff in particular being added, like maybe it makes sense as to why we're seeing such a decline in the general health of the of the population. So for the uh for the control group or um they did a large a they did a large study that showed that uh, there were statistically significant potential for adverse effects. Uh, unexplained transient decrease in body weight, increase in food consumption without weight gain, changes in blood chemistry, uh, decreased red blood cell count, which could be a sign of anemia or damage to bone marrow, decreased blood clotting ability, Decreased blood levels of alkaline phosphate, which indicates uh, malnutrition or celiac disease. Increased uh, blood al albumin, which is uh, acute infection or damage to tissue. Uh, decrease in blood glucose and chloride. Increased, uh, incle increased blood globulin values, which is... Um, Inflammatory diseases and cancer. Uh, sorry, I'm not good with the uh, with the uh, medical jargon. Man. Yeah, <laughs> it's you know with all the chronic health you know conditions that are just so like prevalent you know these days. It's well, it makes me feel old when I think about like oh man, how long ago it was I was eating you know industrial school food. You know, it's probably was even if it's beef, it's still like industrially, you know, tasting, you know, mass scale, whatever. So it's got that what what have you to it. God, I ate a lot of chicken patties. Lord only knows what was in those. Uh, but it's you know, it is kind of scary. You know, I mean, and I feel like it definitely has gotten better. So it's one of the things that they talk about in in this article is because of the increased soy uh, that they're putting in this is the increased amount of glyphosate that people are taking in, which is you know, of course, Roundup. The the I, whoever it's listed as a probable carcinogen these days, but it's something like 11 times higher than the, uh, than the, which are the, uh, than the beyond or the, whichever the other brand is uh, that doesn't use like the same process. I guess this has like 11 times more of the glyphosate in it. And that's, that's always my big thing. Like, I don't know, like, you know, if GMO is just the fact something's GMO is like, makes it poison or whatever, you know, but my big issue is that things are usually GMO so that they can spray it with more glyphosate, right? So 
the a lot of the stuff people complain, you know, think GMOs might be causing really might be glyphosate cancer or poisoning. I don't I don't know. And I hate to make claims because here's another thing I hate is that they you see courts have recently determined that glyphosate is a carcinogen. And I just hate that statement because it's like, is that the job of the courts? Like, shouldn't it be like doctors or something that that determine it? Uh, and maybe maybe I'm wrong in that reasoning, but. It just doesn't seem like the right way to say that. I don't think that eating glyphosate is good. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I just hate that. It's like, oh, courts have determined this, and now it's a whole thing. But no, you're you're right. Uh, that's so. I wanted to touch on that because I know you you okay. talk about the the Roundup Ready type stuff and the glyphosates mm-hmm. and, and all of that uh, somewhat regularly. And and then on the GMO side of stuff, like I, um, I did some work with the Mississippi State Department of Agriculture on doing some research on um, different genetic modifications or like selective breeding for soybeans. We had a we had a really bad we had a really bad rain year in down in Mississippi. Um, it was 2009, I believe it was, where right as soybean harvest was about to start, it rained for 14 days straight, like just torrential downpour every single day and then as soon as it stopped raining it was 110 degrees and there was water standing in all the fields so all of the soybeans in in these fields they were literally cooking in their own pods like um like something that you see in the grain industry is what we call heat damage and usually when you get heat damage on a soybean it's because it's been in a grain bin and the bin got too hot and so the the bean like basically got cooked we were seeing heat damage coming out of the fields, like because they were the the pods have been soft, and so they wouldn't split, and and it's 110 degrees, and the the beans are just literally cooking in their own pods. So th- we had that, and then also on the other side of it, everything that wasn't burning up because it was sitting in standing water, it all got moldy, and so you had a whole lot of mold and a whole lot of everything. There were, um. There would literally be loads of soybeans that would come in where when we would take a sample to like grade the sample, it was easier to just pick the good beans out of it and then dump the rest of it because like, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was terrible. Uh, so, so I did some research with the Mississippi state uh, department of agriculture, looking at are there specific breeds or uh, like, are there specific beans that did better in the, in all this rain and heat? than others and trying to figure out a way to like do some selective breeding to create a more hardy bean that could withstand you know rain like that or heat like that um and that was a lot of fun that was really cool but like it it also helped me understand like the gmo side of things like Mm -hmm. generally speaking gmos are not like some some lab experiment like it's they're not they're not splitting the soybean open and injecting like random shit into it like they're you're you're doing selective crossbreeding and trying to find ways to to uh and some of it is done in labs where you you uh introduce soybeans to different chemicals to create a hardiness but it's not like it's it's not some like mad scientist shit like it's just Mm -hmm. uh it's nerds breeding plants to to create something that's going to have the the traits that you want it to have so so that's so can i can i can i say one thing um yeah. just real quick on that note um because especially on the um on the level of like the your state you know usda department our big thing here is citrus because we have this greeting disease that's like wiping out citrus um but a lot of times and on this on this article specifically the they are type talking about and if i mispronounce this i'm sorry but there's like transgenic genetic modification i believe is, is and that's the dudes in lab coats making the patented you know, Roundup Ready corn, that kind of GMO. And that is a pretty short list as to things that are that kind of genetic modification. Um, now, like at my seat, the seed company I have, like we most of the stuff we sell is heirloom, but like we sell some hybrid, F1 hybrid stuff too. So some people just consider that like, you know, genetic modification of the same ilk. I definitely don't. Um, you know, that's selective breeding. That's, you know, that's actually crossbreeding two varieties and just using that F1 for a specific purpose. Um, 
but there, I, I definitely think that there could be a big difference in, in those. One, one is something you and me can do, and the other is something that you and me can't do. <laughs> that's that's somebody with a lot of funding and a big lab and stuff like that. So I I I, I have to make that distinction. But um, but but you but you're right. And sometimes even the the transgenic one, like with our orange crops here, they're looking into doing the like have some sort of GMO oranges. And I mean, if that's what it takes. So we have a citrus industry here. Like I'm not like opposed to it, you know, like because right now their solution is just spraying tons and tons and tons of pesticides to keep this disease from spreading through the insects that, that spread it. If they could do a GMO and not have to spray all those pesticides, like that seems like it'd probably be a better option, <laughs> you know. So I definitely see a use for them. I just I I hate the hey let's do it just so we can spray more, you know, things that really damage our environment. We, we I think we could be doing things differently, um, but. I'm not for banning them because I don't know. <laughs> well, know I don't I mean, know some, if we can do them differently, you know. There are some corn breeds that are specifically that have that like, you know, tinkering with the with the genetics of it that are specifically designed to withstand uh the worms that eat through the like the uh, the cob worms mm -hmm. or not cob, uh stalk worms <laughs> that, yeah. that like cut like the these worms like basically look like an army marching across your field and they just mow like they mow the crop down and some there are certain breeds of corn that have been genetically modified that the worms will not touch it so like okay do you want do you want to not have a gmo corn or do you want them spraying like six tons of pesticide on it to kill these fucking worms so that they mm, don't exactly. touch the corn like there's you know there's a, a give and take and some trade-off and and I don't know that there's a any particular indication that that um, that one has any effect on the corn itself. It's specifically for the stalks. But yeah, I mean there are, there are others that are for the seed. It, I mean it's it's neat. And there's I, I don't know if we get to this uh, today or anything, but the the insect one like there's like I'm like there's cool genetic stuff that I think we can do. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not against like a lot of like this technology or anything like on its face. It's just really scary sometimes when it just gets implemented. And, and again, sometimes it's, I don't think it's for it necessarily is a net good, you know, it's just, Oh, now, now Monsanto can also sell more Roundup, you know, as well as sell the seed, you know, like that doesn't make me feel good, you know, <laughs> um, for, you know, for sure. But um, well, like on the Roundup but, side of it, yeah. I've looked at a lot of the, 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 like the research that went into it. And mm -hmm. like you were saying, like, it shouldn't be a, a jury that was right. like court that was deciding that, like it should actually yeah. be scientific research. Cause there's a lot of the, if you look at all of those studies, I, I've spent way too much time looking at these when that first came out. Um, Think way too much time. Anyway, um, a lot of those studies are pretty subjective. Like mm -hmm. when you look at some of the some of the particular cases that they're using to say that that it's a carcinogen. Uh, when you look at the people who were involved, like they also had a lot of other shit going on other than just an exposure to <laughs> to mm -hmm. to glyphosate that could have created this uh, it's cancer. It's so hard with health thing. stuff. Yeah, you can't just lock somebody in a room for 80 years and only expose them to what you want, you know? So <laughs> it's so hard to pin down environmental stuff. It really is. And some of them, it was like, you would have, you know, you would have like the test group and all of these different people had been exposed at similar rates. And one of them got cancer and the other eight didn't. And like, it's, it was really weird. Like, it, it I don't know. There, there's a lot of nuance to that argument that, mm -hmm. We just don't know, and yeah. and they're not. Number one, there's there's not a will to do the research on the one side because you know Monsanto and the big money don't want to do the research because they don't want to know what it's going to find, and and on the other side, like, do you want to willingly expose people to that? And like, sometimes uh, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> so it's uh, it's a tough that's yeah, that's a it, tough area. You've got the revolving door of, you know, the head of the FDA probably used to be the CEO from Monsanto, you know, like that kind of stuff goes on, too. So it's just, you know, my, my solution, just like everything is know your farmer, grow your own stuff, try to opt out of the system as much as possible. Like it's uh, I where I live is uh, they this company called Mosaic, and it's like the main like phosphate producer in like the world. Uh, 
for you know fertilizer and this and that and the area of florida that i live in is like the like richest phosphate rock like anywhere in the world other than like madagascar or some weird place you know uh so the my county and the counties around me are just miles and miles and miles of these phosphate mines and they're pretty gross there's a lot of really awful um you know incidents that have happened they are lots of pollution lots of being in bed with the uh the state environmental commission where they're just allowed to you know dump pollutants in the river and stuff you know and it's it it really sucks it is in my backyard and it's something i see you know but right it's like i don't want to say like oh they shouldn't be able to exist because people all over the world might starve to death you know <laughs> so like i i get that but i prefer more organic and sustainable farming methods whenever possible and i do think it's more possible um on a on a bigger scale even you know um but but obviously i don't want people to starve to death so i don't know well and on that topic bringing it back to impossible meats like mm-hmm. coming f- and also coming from a background of the more industrial farming back um like you know i grew up on a big farm we we had all of the big stuff and um, we were we we're going like cash crop corn beans wheat um taking that stuff to the grain elevators and then working in the grain elevator business for a decade. Those generally speaking, those um, corns and soybeans are not intended for human consumption. Mm-hmm. Like that's not the purpose of them. So especially the GMO ones, so especially the GMO ones, yeah. like these are specifically intended for feed purposes. So so when you're getting into like these impossible meat and beyond meat using this stuff that was not intended for that purpose as a as a human feed substitute uh like i think that's i think that's a dangerous game to play like a much more dangerous mm-hmm. game to play than like it's an excellent point, man. I didn't even think they were, they're feeding us like livestock in the first place. Now they're feeding us more like, and why do we feed livestock like that? Because it fattens them up, you know? Right. I, I'd argue we're not supposed to feed livestock like that, but that's why we do. I, so. I agree. I don't, I don't think, I don't, I'm not a big proponent of that type of a feeding program for livestock either, even coming from a, a more industrial uh, farming background. But I also get it. Like when, when we would work with the, with the uh, chicken feeders and stuff, like at one, at one point we had a real bad drought down south and there was a chance there was going to be a corn shortage but with the corn shortage we had also had a really good wheat crop and so we were looking at like feed substitutes for for the poultry industry and you can feed wheat at a similar rate as you do corn and it is it's fine for poultry because mm-hmm. uh especially in the industrial poultry industry like you're you're feeding them to fatten them up and to get them ready for slaughter. Whereas if you're, if, and so the feeding wheat as a substitute to corn would create long-term kidney issues, but you don't have those issues with the poultry because in the time frame that it takes for them to develop. Six the, weeks old. But in the time frame that it takes for them to develop, <laughs> to develop kidney problems, they're already going to be slaughtered anyway. But like you can't, you couldn't do it. You couldn't do it as a long-term substitute for for hogs or cattle because after after about three or four months, uh, it starts to they, it would start causing kidney problems. So, like you know, looking at stuff like that, like when you know what your what the purpose of your feeding program is, then you can kind of balance stuff like that and mm-hmm. and make good decisions. Another interesting thing, um, I don't know if this also goes back to the impossible meat and having the nice pretty red color and it looking like meat. Uh, if you feed a wheat heavy diet to chickens instead of it having that nice like pink color and the the skin having that real nice like white color it's all a little bit more of a gray color Mm. it's it's actually a better protein content but because it has a slightly different texture and a different look people typically reject it like they won't they don't want it just because it looks Mm -hmm. a little bit different even though it's a better it's a better meat uh same for same for um I can't remember which one it was. There was a like an industrial like a farm raised fish that they only feed it white corn because if they feed it regular yellow corn, it makes the meat have a slightly yellowish tint and people won't buy it because they think there's something wrong with it. Like it's 
lit- literally being fed corn either way. But mm-hmm. if you feed it yellow as opposed to white corn, it gets a little bit of a discoloration and people won't buy it. Like ha- there's looking at that, like there's a lot of our our meat industry that is based on aesthetics that mean mm-hmm. mean absolutely nothing to the quality of the meat. But like, yeah, it's great. Crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah. I mean, agriculture, I mean, just even tomatoes, like the tomatoes in the grocery store aren't there because they taste good. They're there because they ship well. You know, that's that's it, you know, and they're uniform, et cetera. You know, it's it, it really is unfortunate. It's unfortunate that people have such boring, bland kind of like taste because they've been so like programmed for prepackaged supermarket nonsense that everybody has to have boneless, skinless, whatever. And it really takes a lot of the a lot of the joy out of cooking and a lot of like the um, the different things we might be able to experience. Uh, you know, uh, there's some chickens that have like black flesh. Right. And I've had some of them. They're good. But even I'll admit, like with my mindset, it's you sit down to a plate of like black chicken meat. It's it, it, you dim the lights, you know, <laughs> it's 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 something, you know, you got to there's definitely something mental there. You know, you got to get over get used to it. And then I talk to people at the farmer's market who talk about we sell chicken feed as dog treats. And they're like, oh, man, I haven't eaten those since I lived in Mexico. And I'm like, whoa, like I I I, I don't know if I could nibble on a chicken foot. You know? <laughs> but to them, it's, it's normal. It's fine. Yeah, it's good. You know. Suck it right off of there. Oh, just, yeah. I guess it takes so, all kinds, right? It, it just makes me wish like I was more exposed to, like gross food as like a kid, because you know I could just have a. And I'm a pretty relatively adventurous eater. Like I'll eat a little bit of anything these days, but um, you know, I wish you could be more excited about chicken feet. Let me say that. Well, that's like Trey earlier. He said uh, said he needed to he needs to actually kill a deer this year. I, I need to as well. I'm uh, I didn't get one last year, so I'm I need to get I'd I'd like to get a couple this year. But like there are a lot of people who don't like deer meat. My my mom has lived on the farm for I don't know, her and dad got married forty five years ago or something like that. I can't remember how long it's been now. Um my mom's been living on the farm with my dad who deer hunts like for most of her life and she still doesn't like deer meat, except when I cook it. Because like there are ways that you can cook, you can cook uh, wild game and stuff that you can get that gamey flavor out of it, and then we already heard how your dad treats brisket. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, imagine that. Like that's not that's not putting a lot of nuance into the way he's cooking his deer. But like if you take a yeah, if you're going to be cooking deer meat, you put a little bit of apple cider vinegar and a little bit of Worcestershire, and let it soak overnight, and then rinse it real good. The, the apple cider vinegar and Worcestershire, it just it sucks all of that real gaminess out of it. And then it just tastes like a, just tastes like a regular steak. It's like there are ways to do, there are ways to cook your meat where the, you know, it's, it takes out some of that, uh, some of that stigma that people have on alternative meats. Uh, and by alternative meats, yeah. I don't mean like impossible meats. Yeah. Beyond meat. I mean like, you know, deer and rabbit and squirrel. Have you seen that there's a meme floating around and uh, it says like, oh, it's the ingredients list on like an impossible burger. And then it's like the ingredients list on like, you know, it just says deer, you know, for like, you know, venison. Yeah, like exactly. We were uh, talking about on on the other show about the um, uh, keto breakfast cereals that that I was eating, you know, and it, I have to look at the ingredients. And I don't it's like sometimes it's cassava, you know, but it's like malted whey protein sound i'm like i don't know what any of this stuff is is it that it's supposed to be healthy because it's keto i don't know you know they ended up in my house i'm eating them so it's very generous the people who gave them to us i'm sure they're very expensive cereals uh <laughs> um i uh, uh steven was saying about the chicken feet there uh we we like to use chicken feet to make uh stock and stuff we uh, use them when we make stock with backs and everything and it comes out just amazing like jelly instead of like a liquid it's really good then we use that when we cook rice instead of water oh and it's really good i know it's still grain but then at least it's full of full of meat so it's good it's a good base for other food <laughs> fun 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 story about rice uh the rice that you eat is like the second tier rice uh the the top of the line rice we had big contracts with anheuser-busch and so they would only take like the top end rice that's what they that's what's used in uh alcohol in mm-hmm. beers and liquors. If if it didn't pass inspection for Anheuser Busch to be used for like Bud Select and, and different uh alcohol or beer products, then it would get rejected from them and it would go to to Riceland Foods who 
put, you know, that's where you get your big bag of, uh, of rice that you cook with. So, so you're the rice that you eat is the, the rice that you eat is the stuff that wasn't good enough for your alcohol. You'd think it'd be the other way around that they'd be using the, what have you, but only the top of the line for, (laughs) for their rice beer. That doesn't even sound, (laughs) doesn't even sound desirable in the first place. Uh, Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, Oh, I was, I was going to bring us back to the article because we're. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to. I wanted to kind of start closing us out with the the stuff where it's talking about um, what the FDA ended up kind of saying here at the end. Okay. So, uh, so Impossible Foods dismissed all of the all of the effects as being non adverse or having no toxicological relevance, and. Uh, and the FDA ended up just kind of saying uh, they issued a no questions letter indicating that they had no further questions. So contrary to what many people believe, such letters are not an assertion by the FDA that the food in question is safe. They simply state that the company asserts that the food, uh, the company asserts that the food is safe. And they remind the company that it, not the FDA, is responsible for ensuring that it only puts safe foods on the market. A no question letter by the FDA uh, protects the FDA from liability in case something goes wrong. They don't protect the consumer from a, an unsafe novel food. So that that's that's what at the end of the day, that's what Impossible Meat is putting their their food based out on is not it's not an FDA approval. It's an FDA saying this is on you. Like you're you say it's safe, okay, you do it then, and and if anything comes back from it. This is on you, not us. Yeah, they uh, really have your uh, health and safety in mind there, you know? <laughs> I mean, just like OSHA. Like, uh, because everybody knows that OSHA, everything that OSHA does is all about making you safe. It's not about uh, just creating ridiculous fines so that they can fund themselves. Yeah. Um, I, uh, sorry, I'm just checking my notes list here. Um, I, uh, yeah, that, that's basically everything I, mean. I just, um, I, I really am curious what was going on with like, again, like how tinfoil Hattie with the big push to, uh, to make everybody want to eat this, you know, I'm glad to see it appears there was just a market rejection, you know, but like I said, like the, the propaganda and stuff, everything from like the, uh, it just reminds me of like Bernays style, like stuff, right? Like. Um, they're getting hooked up with all the big fast food companies. Okay. We got to make this look normal. You know, everybody's doing it. Um, <clears throat> the other celebrities and stuff. I don't know. You think it's, you think it's just going to die. They were saying what that other company dropped 74% of its, uh, its stock value. Yeah. It looks like beyond meat is probably a couple months away from filing bankruptcy. Um, impossible, impossible meat. I haven't seen any of the financials on that, but if some of this stuff starts to come to light that the that the product is, especially when you consider the market that they're going to be selling this to, right? Like the the people who they're who they're marketing this toward are the non-GMO folks, and when it mm-hmm. starts coming out that it's like it's entirely GMO. I mean, here in this uh, the closing paragraph. The company introduced soy protein to replace wheat protein in order to improve the texture and avoid gluten, uh, the protein in wheat that some people cannot tolerate. As a result, Impossible version two po- Impossible ver- Burger version 2.0 can contain residues of the uh, probable carcinogen glyphosate. And uh, let's see, testing by Health Research Institute Laboratories commissioned by the advocacy group Moms Across America found glyphosate at a level of 11.3 parts per billion. This is 11 times higher than Beyond Meat. And like, that's a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. the 11 parts per billion is not super high, but when your competitor has, uh, when it's 11 times higher than your competitor and, and the primary market that you're going to be targeted targeting here is the, John, the non-GMO market, like the people who want organic, healthy stuff. Uh, that it feels like that's gonna that's gonna come back to bite them if if this continues to get 
pushed around. And, Maybe and it's the capital S science crowd, you know, the um, the new pro like, uh, you, you know, the people who are like, yes, more vaccines, please. You know, like like that group of people eat the bugs, live in the pod. Is this maybe maybe it's part of like that kind of thing? Because I mean, I could I know people or, you know, online or whatever who are real people who are like, um, oh, I'd never take a vitamins. That's just makes my pee expensive. Um, I can just eat whatever I want. Uh, you know, I'll take a pill and it's not pharmaceutical. It doesn't actually work. Uh, please more vaccines. Everybody should get all the vaccines. Like there's actually people like that. So maybe I feel like this is for those people. Like they might actually be the people who would eat this stuff willingly and eagerly. Cows are killing the planet, all that stuff. Yeah. I, it seems like these are going to be pretty, uh, pretty niche markets. Uh, the further it goes with uh, the information that's coming out about them and the way that they're, that they're actually being made. Like it's, this is, this stuff is, it, this is produced. It's not, it's not grown, right? Like this is, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I, I don't know. Like, cause this isn't even like the, you know, like the soy burgers and stuff that we we're talking about from when we were kids, like, where like you knew what it was mm-hmm. and it was it was like a soy substitute for a burger like this is this is actually some like uh mad scientist type shit that they're doing to to make this stuff look and look and taste and feel like real meat i'd be curious if they're serving this in schools yet like in california if they've got like you know in like school cafeterias if they're selling this shit <laughs> That's scary. I might have to. <laughs> I assume if it's happening, it's California. Uh, you yeah, know. California or New York. Yeah, but that's that's really when you when you know there's some big behind the scenes push. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully we see kind of a a death of this stuff. Or I mean, it's not going to die. Like it's it's going to be like the it's going to be like the yeah. the shot. Like. There are going to be those who buy into it and will believe in it no matter what is said or done and what comes out, like what kind of adverse effects it has. There will be the, like you said, the the big S science crowd that will just buy it hook, line and sinker every time. But largely, I think this thing is going to I think these things are going to kind of die off. and It's going to become a really niche thing that only gets marketed to and is only bought bought by those particular groups. I mean, there's no reason to think that real meat is going to disappear. Right. (laughs) Not around my house. (laughs) Not around this house either. Uh, Yeah. Uh, We we take steps to uh, ensure that, you know. I mean, I'm I'm trying to figure out where on the property I want to build a a pen for, for hogs. And I'd also like to put in a good size hutch and start breeding rabbits. Uh, like I'm, I want to, I want to expand the meat side of this operation. Uh, I don't have room for cows. I, I need, I mean, I guess I, I would have, I do technically have room for cows, but that would be too difficult with the way if you got to supplement that much feed. Then what's, what's the sustainability in that or the security in that, you know, but if I can raise go- goats and hogs and chickens and rabbits and I can trade other meat for, for cow or you know for beef then i'm all i'm all for that or hell i can just hunt the shit out of some deer and that's that's a <laughs> perfectly fine uh beef sub uh, substitute um I, I personally prefer deer meat actually but <laughs> yeah well the cool thing about anything i guess you don't have to pay to raise it and feed it so like we you know i was kind of thinking about figuring out a way to do a rabbit operation but we have enough wild rabbit here it's like why bother i can just go out and shoot one every week uh, they're a nuisance anyhow. And I know I gotta I get my traps. I've got some. I've yeah. got some traps at the at our old house, and I need to bring them and set them up because we've got rabbits that just run, run wild through the through the back out here. So, if um the alternative milk products, uh, like Trey's asking about, I mean, if if you're lactose intolerant or whatever, and you have to use something else, I and mean, I'm sure it's fine. I guess my issue with like almond milk is I don't really think that the almond farming in like California is. Very environmentally cool. I don't know if there's another product that could be used or not. Um, there's an interesting. Uh, what's up, Mark? There's um interesting uh, 
a case out of Florida. It was the Ocheesi uh, Creamery, uh, which is worth looking up. It was uh, basically this five-year thing. They were trying to get shut down by the state. Uh, they were making a like a they're making skim milk, but you can't legally call it milk unless you add vitamin A and D back into it. So the state wasn't allowing them to call their pure milk milk. And they were trying to make them label it like an um, alternative milk product or something. And it, it was it's just so ridiculous, you know, that because they weren't willing to adulterate, they weren't allowed to call it milk. And of course, that adds a layer of um, like a veil between you and the customer and communication. What if somebody is vegan or they can't drink milk because they have an allergy to it, but it's labeled as a, you know, as not milk because they can't call it milk, you know, like that could cause a problem, dude. Um, but uh, but that's a pretty interesting uh, interesting case if, uh, if we were to look into that. Yeah, and I don't, I don't really know a whole lot about the, we avoid the anything soy for as much as we can. Mm -hmm. My wife uses, um, she uses a flavored almond milk for, for like to put in her coffee whenever she decides she wants a creamer or something because, for some reason, using a like a regular creamer or just milk in her coffee upsets her stomach, but the almond mm -hmm. milk doesn't. But then she can also like have regular milk other in other like cooking and stuff like that, and it's fine. So for some reason, that that upsets her stomach. I don't I, know, I, I get it. I like almond. If I'm putting something in coffee and I have the option, I like almond milk in it. I don't know why. It's good. <laughs> so. But as far as like nutritionally, I don't, I don't know. I can't. I mean, like, I can't imagine that it is um, nutritionally as good or, or remotely the same. But at the same time, I mean, they have to add vitamins A and D to it to call it milk. So it's, you know, <laughs> it probably has the things that you need. It's just artificially added it back into it. Yeah. So, I don't know. There, you know there are a lot of alternative products that I just generally speaking i try to avoid um i don't even like miracle whip like i, I want man i want real mayonnaise <laughs> uh, miracle i know i'm a lot of people arguing this but i do enjoy miracle whip on some sandwiches salad dressing is the you know the old-timey term for it it's i think i don't know what it is they they do to it to make it tangy but it's you know i think it's called salad dressing that's my grandma used to call it salad dressing you want mayo or salad dressing <laughs> oh good times Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Um, there's, you know, something else that we're talking about soy, it's definitely worth mentioning is a lot of people seem to have like allergies to eggs, and it's kind of like hit or miss. And I think what people are figuring out is uh, you want soy free like eggs, which sounds silly. But obviously, I mean, you want chickens that don't eat soy. Uh, I've heard some theories that, you know, soy photoestrogens or phytoestrogens, uh, you know, they they're going to concentrate in the ovum, which is like the egg, you know, female, what have you. And that so eating eggs can really upset eating eggs with chickens that were fed. soy can really upset people's stomachs or give them egg allergens. So I'm actually switching my egg flock to we just got new new egg flock, I'm raising them up and they are going to be soy free uh, for their um, egg laying time. And I don't know. I'm not a scientist, but for the extra two dollars a bag of feed you know, to be able to advertise them as soy free and hopefully it'll help people, you know, I mean, legitimately, but, um, but yeah, that's what I'm going to try and, uh, try and do is switch to, to soy free for all my, my egg birds. It'd be cool for meat birds, but I don't know if it's as big as a concern for the meat birds, you know, birds. I mean, I argue that cows shouldn't eat grain, but like birds are physically capable of eating grain. Uh, but it's interesting what you're saying about them eating the wheat, giving them long-term uh, you know, health issues. So that probably wouldn't work very well for like egg birds then, you know, something you want to be around for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that with egg birds for your meat birds. It'd be fine. I mean, be aware that it's going to look a little different, but yeah. <laughs> like... <laughs> but I, I believe in the past, pa past, pasteurization. That's not right. Pasture raising the, uh, the chickens, get them on the bugs, the green grass, all that good stuff. Like they're supposed to eat. Same thing for cows. They should be eating grass, not not grain. You know, um, I think you get a better product. I think there's less disease that way. You know, there's less salmonella in birds. It's not the kind of E. coli that makes us sick is always present in healthy cattle. Um, I'm sorry. The one that does not make us sick is always present in healthy cattle. The one that does make us sick is only present in cattle that is fed grain. So uh, mainly corn. So it's, you know, so, something to think about. But again, I understand the limitations. You can't just you know, 
<laughs> Always feed them grass. So it is what it is. I'm not trying to shame anybody. <laughs> now, there's a lot of there's a lot of nuance to mm-hmm. to agriculture and the way that way that it should be done versus the way that it is done. And I, like I understand for the industrial agricultural side of it, the, the reasoning behind why it's done that way. And you know, if you have to feed billions of people, then you got to do what you got to do. But at the same time, like if you have the option and you have the availability to get the to get your meat not raised that way, then you should mm-hmm. absolutely be taking that taking that I, route whenever possible. I'm, I'm not thrilled about raising the the meat hybrids as opposed to some other types of chicken bird, but it's the only if I want to have one that's the only way that it's affordable and something the customer's used to, I raise the meat hybrid. So that's what I do. Like I said, it's not it's not perfect, but it's the only way that it really works out. So, you know, there's always a give and take. You know, I mean, that's the world we live in, for sure. So we just got to do the best we can. Thank you very much. This was very informative and a lot of fun. Hopefully, Good. everybody who's been watching and chatting along with us learned a little bit about some of what's going on. And uh, we answered some food-related questions. And if you have other food-related questions, feel free to hit us up. We between the two of us, and we can lump Clyde in, even though he's a little weird. He has he has good information to to provide as well from time to time. Uh, we can we can probably get you all the all the food related agricultural information you need. Uh, hit us up or join us on the morning show sometime and just derail the conversation because we are always looking for a good reason to stop talking about the news and start talking about the weather or farming. Uh, mm-hmm. a 15 will, minute rant about either of those yeah, we will just drag Mark <laughs> along with us for that stuff every day so, uh, come join us on the morning after and ask us all of your agricultural related questions uh, Dag give anything uh, plugs or whatever you got and we'll call it a show uh, once again um, check me out um, Agoras Nexus um, I might be a little lefty for your crowd but that's cool man we got some good content over there for sure um, I definitely do some good interviews and stuff from time to time we're getting that back going again so I'm hoping that's some good stuff uh, coming up I'm going to be doing uh, some video series with them on homesteading, just quick stuff, hard skills, um, life, um, building shit, picking locks, stuff like that. So uh, check me out for that. Hopefully coming soon. And uh, then, yeah, agorastakers.com. Check out our seeds. I got a bunch of new stuff in. I got to get up on the site and I just refreshed all my supplies. So I've got some stuff coming to you, Stephen. But um, yeah, well, I don't know. Code squaw, 10% off. And, uh, you know. I'll hook Justin up with uh, with 10%. doesn't matter if it's a show or the morning show. You're the one who runs it. So let's <laughs> we'll figure it out. <laughs> it's, all my, it's all my stuff either way. So. Yep, yep. So we'll make it happen. But yeah, dude, this, this was a blast. Thank you for having me, man. This is great. Yeah, thanks again. Everybody Absolutely. have a great rest of your day, a great rest of your week. And I will be back on Wednesday of next week with, uh, oh, I'll be back next Tuesday. I'm going to be talking with uh, Stephanie. Uh, I can't pronounce her last name. I got to. I got to ask her how to pronounce that before we start the show. Anyway, she's going to give me a uh, astrological reading. She's a, a Christian astrology. So interesting. I, yeah, I, I said I asked her. I said, "Would uh, would you mind explaining the the mountain mystic Christian astrology for a guy who's like most uh, whose most interaction with anything like that is the farmer's almanac?" And she was like, "Yeah, absolutely." So so we're going to be doing that on Tuesday morning at 10 o'clock. So join us on Tuesday and uh, find out a little bit about astrology. Thanks, everybody. Have a good one. No, it's not Stephanie Campbell, Mark. <laughs> Don't forget to head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com and check out our longest and most favorite sponsor, Carlos and Vanessa Abelar and Paloma Verde CBD. Get all of your CBD needs and you get 10% off your order of $75 or more, plus anything over $75 is free shipping. So head over to PalomaVerdeCBD.com to get all your CBD needs. Have a good week, everybody.